Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here recording Saturday morning. Uh, Important, because with how much news we've had recently with Michigan State football, uh, there's a good chance that we've missed something by the time you're listening on Monday. But due to some scheduling stuff, we had to make sure we get it out, uh, record this on Saturday instead of our typical Sunday but uh, Scott, we're early in the weekend here. You got any plans? What's going on? We got some big NFL. I quick question to start before you answer the that division round playoffs, NFL wild card playoffs, um, AFC NFC championship weekend. As far as NFL playoff weekends go, do you have a favorite? Yeah, I'd say. <sighs> probably the championship the conference championships because you're down to the best teams in the league and there's two games and there's so much on the line to to get into the super bowl um obviously the super bowl itself is great but if we're excluding that i think the championships if you like quantity over quality maybe you liked last week more yeah i like i like this week because it's that balance like the wild card weekend you got a bunch of games but you know some of them will be a little bit blowouty, uh, and that's how it turned out this weekend. It feels like you're going to get four pretty tight games all the way through. Um, but yeah, next weekend, I you, you got the stakes who's going to the Super Bowl, multiple games. I think that's a lot of fun too. But NFL playoffs, always a good time. Um, I did, we kind of talked about Super Bowl picks, uh, last weekend. I think we're we're both still alive here, so that's good. Uh, I've been, I cleaned up a little bit last weekend. I'll see if I can keep my role going here this weekend, but yeah, it's a good time. But uh, again, we got, we're early in the weekend here. So how are you? What do you got planned this weekend? So I, in typical form, ran out of coffee yesterday. Like I made my coffee in the morning and I don't know about you, but sometimes when you just really don't want to make one little errand, you just kind of convince yourself it's going to work itself out. Like like the coffee fairy is going to make a visit <laughs> to my house in the middle of the night and I'm going to have more in the morning. Well, I woke up this morning and I was still out of coffee. And so I said, okay, I'll just like walk to a coffee shop and, and get some. And I looked at 
my phone and it was zero degrees outside. <laughs> so I haven't had any coffee today. The consequences of our is... actions biting us in the ass. Who would have yeah. ever thought? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I might be a little more mellow today, but it's Saturday. Um, I like recording on Saturdays because you still have all the excitement of going into the weekend instead of Sunday. The scary is starting to creep in. I know um, we're I know we're both coffee guys, but can you do tea in the morning? Like I've tried it. It's just I don't know. It makes my stomach a little upset. I, I like I, tea, but it's an afternoon evening kind of deal. I can't yeah, do tea in the morning. I like the uh, you know the the tea before bed or something if you're chilly. But yeah, I can't do. It just doesn't wake me up. I mean, it's fine. Like I don't have anything against tea in the morning. It's just it's not. Not what I'm looking for. Not my cup of tea. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> but yeah, after this, I have to go to the car dealership to try to lease a new car. So I'm kind of terrified of that situation. Anyone who's following the auto industry knows that being a car buyer or leaser right now is is a pretty sad situation. So we'll see. We'll see. Next episode, I might be uh, in the dumps. Well, I'll take your situation over mine. Uh, I'm happy it's the weekend. This has been a long week. Uh, I had, so I had a flat tire earlier in the week and all right, cool. I'm not like a huge car guy, you know, know what I'm doing under the hood, but I can change a tire. No problem. Jack the thing up, get the tire off. Problem was uh, the tire was flat enough that the, the, the reach of the jack got it high enough that I could pull the tire off, but it was not high enough that I could put the new tire on. So now I basically just got a jack stuck under the car because, you know, you can't pull it out because then your brake pad's just going to slam onto the ground. And it was a nightmare. I ended up like getting a, a tire, uh, like the old tire. I laid it down on its side. I put a wood pallet above it. I dropped the jack down and luckily that supported the car, got something to put under the, it was a whole thing. And of course it was freezing cold outside. It was windy. And I'm like, this is just not a good, not a good time. And on top of that, we've been doing like kind of a calorie counting watch uh, diet, especially during the week. So I'm already just a little grumpy and I got that to deal with. It was just uh, it was a whole thing. So now I'm riding around with a spare, you know, trying not to trying to avoid driving at all costs until my extra tires get delivered, which I'm still waiting on. It's it's a whole thing. So you brought up cars and it just, you know, it it, it ground ground my gears past tense. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds like the epitome of why there are plenty of folks who don't like winter. Like that whole situation <laughs> sucks. Exactly. And on top of it. You were cold the yeah. whole time. <laughs> like if all of that happened and it was like 65 degrees outside, it would have been a much different experience. Speaking yeah, of, we do we have any snow games this weekend in the NFL? Probably not. I haven't checked Lambo. I haven't checked the weather up in Green Bay, but I, I've been listening to some podcasts and nobody has brought it up yet. And I'm sure it would have been a topic if there were one. But I mean, you got Kansas City, you've got Green Bay, uh, Tampa Bay. Obviously, you're not going to have one, and the other game is in uh, Nashville. Nashville. Probably not. Um, they, I mean, you, you got a Green Bay playoff game. There's always a chance for it. So, Ugh. 
Yeah, I don't the the aesthetics of this weekend are kind of weird too. Like I was kind of looking like the Rams Bucks jerseys. They just I think the Bucks are going with the all pewter and then you've got that like weird bone white like off white Rams. I'm like that's not going to be a good look. Um I don't know Bengals Titans that's kind of a weird orange and black versus that like Titans not baby blue, but lighter blue with the red. I'm like, this is just, I don't know, not a lot of great, you know, color, jersey color matchups this weekend. Not not a lot of aesthetically pleasing football. I think Bill's Chiefs is a good one, but I think that's about it. And if I'm you are to watch. Uh, dang it, I cut you off right, right <laughs> at the start of your read. I was gonna say I'm psyched to watch the Rams in the Bucks. I think that's probably the one I'm looking forward to most this week, but Great games. Get on with your read. Yeah, in the midst of my professional transition there. Um, no, there are four teams remaining by the time you are listening to this. And that means that betting on football, you have very few chances left. Uh, unless you're a big, I think they're doing the USFL or something this year. Um, if you're a real degenerate, you can get in on that. But uh, there's only, what, by the time you're listening, there are three NFL games left. And, and then that's it until late August when week zero kicks off in college football. So counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers with DraftKings Sportsbook can get 56 to one odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a customer, you can experience the conference championship with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5, win 280 in free bets. If your team wins, promo code TPPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Lots and lots of Michigan State football news to get to here. Um, It's, what, mid to late January, and we got a full docket. Um, Scott? I'll, I'll let you decide where we're going to start this because we've got a commitment to the 2023 class. Uh, we've got some coaching news. We've got transfer portal stuff going on. Where are we going? Well, we finished a trade. Let's start with our trade <laughs> since we're moving closer and closer to a pro sports model here. Um, Ricky White committed to unlv so we finished the ricky white for jacoby winman trade i'll take it um, yeah i think we got the better end of that deal or at least the more proven end of that deal so that brings to a close one of the more interesting sagas in recent memory for any one michigan state player um obviously the breakout game against michigan was not the only game he played in but the only real memorable performance of his michigan state career and boy was it memorable and obviously this year was away from the team for most of the, if not the whole year uh, for off the field circumstances and was teasing a comeback next season. And then out he went. So 
we're always rooting for these guys. Good luck to Ricky White at UNLV. I hope all the best for him. And uh, yeah, Kevin, any Ricky White thoughts? Not really, but that does bring us to the other outgoing transfer portal entry. And it was a big one. Ma'a Nauteote, somebody that he was the top ranked recruit in the last class, uh, came into Michigan State, true freshman, got on the field a little bit. Uh, played quite a bit on special teams. He had that forced fumble against Penn State that was memorable. Uh, but got a couple runs in at linebacker, you know, looked young, looked inexperienced. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say that he's not going to be a good football player because of what we saw as a freshman, but we saw a freshman football player out there, you know, athletic, strong, um, has that ability, but just you know, got lost in coverage, got lost in his run assignments. And you could see it pretty clearly that the inexperience played a role in, in his play on the field this year. Now you bring in Jacoby Widman, who you just mentioned from UNLV at linebacker. Uh, you bring in Brule from uh, Mississippi State. You bring in, you know, Cal Halliday's young. Uh, he's He was just a, a redshirt freshman last year. So they have as essentially the same eligibility remaining. I, you only have two linebacker spots, you know, it's, it's hard to blame him in, in this transfer portal era. Um, I don't know. Like, I know a lot of Michigan state fans were really bummed about it. A, a lot of Michigan state fans are saying, well, you know, it's, it's hard to find playing time and it is what it is. That's just today's football. So um, what did you think about now? Teote heading out? Well, I would love to have him. He's a good athlete. I think he had a lot of potential, has a lot of potential. Um, But I think it's just, it it speaks to how fast this program's moving right now and how quickly they're evolving and trying to find the right pieces and linebacker going into last season, we thought was our worst position on, on the roster. And they had a, pretty good year this past year i mean they weren't our best position group i don't think but um i think they were probably a top half of position groups did what they needed to and um you mentioned the additions we're bringing in with winman brule um it's it's becoming a far more competitive room i think now teote i don't know he sees things a lot clearer than we do uh being there every day and i Maybe Michigan State upgraded beyond where he was at or where his trajectory was, and he didn't see a future, at least in the short term, at Michigan State. Um, yeah, I think – I don't want to call it a good thing because it's a very talented player leaving the program, but I think it's a sign of good things happening at Michigan State and that a guy with as much upside potential as now Teote is uh, not seeing the possibilities – he was hoping for here yeah i i want to you know kind of choose my words carefully here i've i've been thinking a lot about the portal recently just because it's it's crazy this year man there are like starting quarterbacks moving around on a whim and it's it's wild it's it's truly wild what's happening with the portal this year and and you know we can talk about should this be regulated in some way or or whatever but I, I'm reading the comments of people. I'm kind of throwing around my name in the message boards and just seeing what, what people are looking at on Twitter, on Facebook. 
And I think there's, there's one thing that people are, I don't want to say like afraid to say, but I think people are kind of dancing around the topic um, and, and trying not to say it directly, but there is a perception by some people that maybe this generation of player, if you want to generalize it like that, is not afraid of competition, but you know the the idea that we're getting at here. And I think two things can be equally true. Number one, it's it's awesome that the transfer portal grants these kids the opportunity that if they don't like the situation that they're in, for whatever reason, whether it's playing time, disagreements with the coaching staff, uh, your fit in the scheme, and you thought you were going to be this type of player, and they want you to be this type of whatever it is, that you now have the opportunity to say, all right, you know, we tried it, it didn't work out, I'm going to, you know, go try to find somewhere else that's better for me. I think that's awesome. That can be true at the same time as players nowadays uh, are less patient with their development. They're less patient with their um, the vision of the coaches. And, you know, back in my day, kind of, you know, old, old guy or crowd will say like, well, he just didn't want to fight for his spot, you know, and, and next year, you know, Hey, why can't he go unseat Quaveras Crouch or, or um, Cal Halliday for one of those spots? If you work hard and you develop and you, and you focus on your game, you know, you're going to get there eventually, you know, and the players nowadays, they're just not as patient with that. And it's, it's not to say that they're less hardworking. It's not to say that they're less committed to the game uh, that they're less competitive or anything. It's just that they're less patient with their development at a specific school. And, and that's okay. Like it's just times are changing. And, you know, I think both of those things can be true. So I see it. The, I see the extremes on both sides and I disagree with the extremes on both sides. The one side that all oh, these kids nowadays, they're just not even competitive. They don't love the game. I think Maanauteote loves football. You watch him on special teams, fly down the field and throw his head into a guy's chest. Like, that guy loves football. So I, I don't agree with that side of it, but I also, I don't really agree with the other full swing of the pendulum that, you know, Hey, this is great. Guys should be able to leave two, three, four times if they want, you know, just go wherever you can play right away. Uh, because I think that's dangerous and it sets up a lot of empty promises from coaching staffs that'll tell you, Hey, you're going to play, you know, from day one, you're going to be my starting linebacker. And then they get into practice and, and the coach decides to go a different direction. Like it just sets up for a lot of problems. I don't know. It's somewhere in the middle. I just wanted to, I've been thinking a lot about that and I wanted to try to articulate that properly, but um, it's, it's just a new world, man. This transfer portal stuff is nuts and guys go out, guys come in. It's, it's good. It's bad. I, I don't know, but <laughs> Mel Tucker is, is one coach that we've seen is not afraid to use it to his advantage. And, and with that, you know, guys are going to be leaving too, because, you know, guys are coming to take their spots. So, you know, if, if you are against the transfer portal, I don't, I don't know, I guess you picked the wrong team to, to follow. This is the time of year, the next few months or the, you know, the off season collectively, everyone loves to say X, Y, or Z is ruining the sport. Right. Yeah. And then, the strangest thing happens, you know, Saturdays in the fall roll around. We all either go to the game, sit down to watch it, and maybe you're a radio person. But 
I don't know about you. I watched the games and enjoyed them just as much as I ever have every single year. So I like the transfer portal. I think it's flawed in a sense. I think it could certainly use some refinement, um, but I think it gives players, it puts their own lives in the control over, it gives the players more control over their trajectory. And I think that's a good thing. Um, so, and it gives us content so selfishly, like and <laughs> we appreciate it, the year round uh, stuff to talk about. And it gives us a mere speed. Yep. What the transfer portal taketh, the transfer portal giveth. And we landed a mere speed. Uh, this is a 2017 recruit who was at Georgia the last, I think, four years. Right, Kevin? I think you have his background. Yeah, so he 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 got on the field as a true freshman at Georgia, played in 11 games. Um, in total, he's played 30, some 30, 39 games at Georgia, uh, started three. And what it really comes down to, he's a corner. He's six foot three, 211 pounds. That's he's got, we were talking like comparing it earlier, Ronald Williams. He feels like a pretty big corner. He's an inch taller and about 20 pounds heavier than Ronald Williams. Like this guy is, you know, we talk about like the sec athlete quote unquote, like this is one of those guys that from Florida played at Georgia. Like this is the type of dude that you see come into your, you know, practice facility the day one, or, you know, you see him in the weight room or on the first day of practice and you're like, Oh shoot. Like, (laughs) that's the type of player they get down there. Like, all right, I got to work my ass off to try to keep my spot above this guy. Like it's just a different type of dude. And we'll see if his development and his technique is good enough that he's, you know, a starter day one or whatever the case may be, if he's a great football player or not, but the measurables, the, the athleticism, the, uh, those boxes are checked. Yeah. Another comparison, Justin Lane, a guy who it felt like, one of the bigger corners that came through Michigan state, right. Uh, in the streak of, of NFL DBs, we've had Justin lane right now in the NFL at 24 years old is six foot two, 192 pounds. So Amir speed brings plenty of size. He also brings plenty of speed, supposedly ran a mid 10 second, um, hundred in high school. I don't know if he's carried that speed as he's put on weight, but, um, you like you said, the measurables are there. The athleticism is obviously there. Uh, now it's just a matter of seeing him in the scheme. And I, I'm not ready to say you know he's going to be a day one starter. I've seen some depth depth chart predictions that did have him as a starter. Not saying that's not going to happen either. But the cornerback room is a really interesting place right now. I think you have Ronald Williams who played the most of any corner. I think he played in every game. Um, he may have started every game and he was, he was good. He was serviceable. Kimbrough started the year at that other spot. And that was kind of a revolving door. Brantley took it until he got injured. Uh, after a couple games starting there, Marky Lowry started a few games over there. All three of those guys will be trying to get on the field. You've got a couple freshmen like Jeremy Bernard, Coley, uh, Bernard's a wide receiver, excuse me, but, um, Caleb Coley will be out there trying to get a spot. And now Amir Speed. So none of those guys are like surefire, right? Film knocks your socks off. But all those guys, you could see a reasonable path to to earning that starting role. So as we get into spring ball, um, and most of these guys will be on campus, 
it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Do you know if Amir Speed is able to, when he's able to join the program, it'd probably not be till summer now, right? Uh, to be honest, I haven't looked at that. I know some of these guys are already on campus, you know, signed up for classes. I, I don't have like a, we need, I need to get like a spreadsheet in front of me for these things, man, <laughs> but um, no, not a hundred percent sure on that. So Amir speed adding to our cornerbacks room and a freshman commit, a really exciting one. In my opinion, Kedrick, it's either Riscano or Riscano. I'm going to go with Riscano. Uh, smaller back, five eleven, one ninety, but still a looks junior plenty in high strong. School. I mean, he's got yeah. plenty of time to fill um, out that frame. Four-star four guy, two four seven composite has him at two nineteen nationally. Offers from Houston, uh, Nebraska, Oklahoma State, TCU, among others. So, really exciting player, Kevin. Did you get a chance to watch any of his tape? little bit yeah i mean he's it's a fun football player i i love watching running backs in high school because they, they all look like the next barry sanders emmett smith bo jackson because it's you know the one guy that it's it's probably the best athlete on the team that they just want to give him the ball and yeah it's it's always fun watching running back high school running back highlights um he looks like a really good player and is going to continue adding some juice to this running back room. Uh, Jalen Berger's got three years of eligibility left uh, coming in from Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, there are some transfer portal guys that I know Mel Tucker is after. There's the kid from uh, Colorado, Crusard, um, who I, I don't think is going to be coming to East Lansing, but it does tell you that, you know, this coaching staff isn't done looking for running backs. You know, they're not satisfied with the current uh, running back room going into this year. Obviously I know Riscano is a, a 23 recruit, but um, it's, it just kind of speaks to, I, I think this staff is looking for two, three guys. I think we, again, I, I've mentioned this word before. I don't think we lucked into Kenneth Walker, but I don't think anybody in that building expected him to do exactly what he did to that level. So I think in a perfect world, you would have something like what Georgia had this year in the national title. You had um, Zamir White and James Cook, both of them taking carries, both of them staying fresh, being able to um, you know, really get after a defense in that way. So I think this is one of those guys that, again, by the time he finishes his senior year, gets into a college weight program. Like he's probably going to come into campus at like 5'11", 205, which is a great size for a running back. And, uh, you know, he's got some speed. He's got some moves. Hard to tell really against uh, uh, high school players, but it looks like a fun player. I'm excited about it. Brings us two commitments to the 2023 class, both four stars with uh, Kedrick Riscano, the running back out of Texas. And Brennan Parachek, uh, out of Dexter, Michigan, the tight end, six foot six, two hundred thirty-five pounds. He committed way back in September, end of September. So he's just kind of been sitting lonely in this recruiting class for uh, going on four months now, and finally gets uh, gets a buddy to join, like a little text thread. He's just been texting by himself uh, for four months here, so he's finally got a buddy. So we were talking, Kevin, before we got on here about the quality of recruit that seems to be on 
our list this year with this 23 class. And you also mentioned expectations earlier. Is this the highest Michigan State recruiting expectations have been that you can remember? I think so. Yeah. I mean, because like even the good classes with D'Antonio, like we know the result of the 2016 class, but going into that, it was more just like, wow, this is awesome. Mark D'Antonio really embracing like recruiting highly rated guys. It, it it wasn't an expectation because that was never D'Antonio's thing. It wasn't that he's going after big star names. He trusted his evaluations. And when you got like a mid three star and Michigan State was like the first power five offer on him, it was like, oh, they see something in this kid. Like, whereas Mel Tucker is like bringing in, you know, we're the, we're the first visit on a high four-star guy or something. It's just a different philosophy. So where fans are kind of following recruiting more and more. um, Yeah. As far as expectations, I, I can't remember a time where fans were really pushing where we were at in the recruiting rankings and, and trying to, you know, solidify a top 15, top 10 class and expecting, you know, Hey, part of what's going to make Mel Tucker successful at Michigan state is that, you know, by 2024, he's going to have a top seven class or something like it's just built into the expectations of the football program now, which is something I can't really remember. It's all part of the plan. Speaking of the plan, Kevin, you mentioned uh, Andy Staples, had Mel Tucker on his podcast. Yeah, it, it was it was a good listen. Um, if anybody wants to, has 40 minutes, I think, if you cut out the ads, it's closer to 30. Um, just search the Andy Staples show. Uh, it was bouncing around on social media, but the, he did an interview with Mel Tucker. Both of them, if, if you guys remember the name Trevor Moad, it was, uh, you know, motivational speaker kind of guy, uh, mental conditioning expert is how he's referred to as on his website. Uh, but it was all about this neutral thinking and, and Andy Staples helped Trevor write this book and Mel Tucker and Trevor Moed were obviously very close. If you followed kind of Mel Tucker's story um, all about neutral thinking and this, and, and there were a lot of good tidbits just kind of of the process of Mel Tucker. And we've kind of talked about like, I would love to be a fly on the wall. Um, you kind of got little glimpses into how Mel Tucker conducts a practice and how they go through the film room and how like they have this, where they refer to as um, basically what was it? Unconscious competence where it's like, all right, you, you basically just have a good athlete who can make a play, but doesn't know how he made the play and how Mel Tucker tries to break this and, you know, really make them understand why he won this one-on-one battle. Like, okay, you won that one-on-one jump ball, but let's rewind. Like, what did you do? How did you position your body? What techniques did you use? So that way you can replicate it rather than just like, okay, I did it. That was cool. But like, no, we want you to do that again next week. And on Saturday, like, how did you do it so that, you know, and, and can be more consistent and, you know, this aggregation of, of marginal gains that it's, uh, I think, a Navy SEALs thing that Mel Tucker took, but it's these little baby steps, little improvements every day, every day, every day to build, 
it, it was just a lot of really interesting little tidbits into the mind of Mel Tucker, if you will. Um, and, and it's interesting. They talk about kind of the transition from 2020 to 2021. So check it out. It's on the Andy Staples show. Again, is Andy Staples is a writer, podcaster for The Athletic. Um, I really like him. I think he does a great job. So um, yeah, check it out. Interview with Mel Tucker, 30, 40 minutes. Some good Life stuff. Life lessons. Um, yeah. The standing room spark. It was like it was like Mel morning. by the fireside. You know, it was it was it was good. One of the reporters in one of Mel Tucker's recent press conferences asked him a question, and he I don't remember what the question was, but his response was, "I'll put it in a book some I'll put it in my book someday." And I think I, I hope that happens someday. I hope Mel Tucker writes a book because I think it'll be the closest thing we ever get to being that fly on the wall, understanding his full vision because you can see it in so many different ways in the program, but you know, somewhere he's got like a binder or something, maybe it's digital, but that's just got it all laid out. Um, Would love to see it, but yeah. So speaking of staff though, uh, interesting right after we recorded before our last episode released, speaking of missing news, um, Ron Burton stepped away from the program. So I didn't really hear anything beyond that as far as what the motivations were, whether it was an internal motivation by him, disagreement on the direction. I don't know, Kevin, I don't know if you got any scoops, but uh, it was surprising to me. There were some whispers about like, and this is the thing that I always, I'm always hesitant to believe a lot of reports that happen after the fact. You know, sometimes you see like, especially in the NFL, you see like news hit, or or I remember this with Ed Ogeron. You remember when, uh, when Ed Ogeron was quote unquote fired, stepped down, mutually parted ways or whatever it was. And within like eight minutes, there were multiple like 5,000 word articles written. And it's like, okay, this guy clearly knew this was going on. He wrote the whole article before it even happened and was just waiting for the news so that he could click send. Like, and this was one where like the next day you start, I'm not going to name any names, but I started seeing some people on message boards and on Twitter saying like, well, I saw this coming from earlier in the year. I'm like, did you though? Like you didn't say anything about it until right now. So I don't know. It's just, um, you bring in Brandon, um, Brandon Jordan, uh, the, the pass rush specialist. And maybe that was kind of a final straw type of deal where Ron Burton says like, Hey, look, I, my resume speaks for itself. I can coach this defensive line on my own. I don't need any help. Mel Tucker decided, you know, Hey, we've got an opportunity to bring in this guy that will help us on the field that will help us with recruiting. And maybe that was just kind of a final straw of saying, all right, you know, if, if you don't, believe in me enough to to give me my own unit uh i'll go find somewhere else that does i don't know that that was kind of my best guess at at a reading the tea leaves but needless to say but i'll say it anyway i mean thank you to ron burton i don't think you're listening but i mean had damn near a decade at michigan state and developed defensive linemen like nobody's business you know, took low three-star guys, turned them into NFL players. He was every, like every, every position coach that you hire 
you hope turns out to be Ron Burton, you know, kind of a staple in the program and, you know, really good developer at his group. So I'm sure Ron Burton will get scooped up very quickly by somebody and uh, wish him the best moving forward. And it, it opens up a hole in the coaching staff that I'll be interested in, in where we go. I'm sure it'll be a defensive line coach, but um, yeah, it was very surprising news for me. Yeah, you've got names like William Golston, um, Shalit Calhoun, Malik McDowell, which who was unfortunately in the news this week, uh, Kenny Willekes. Those are just the guys who have been drafted over the last few years, but obviously countless other defensive linemen. It's been a Jerome strength Worthy. for Michigan State for a long time, um, and and that's thanks to Ron Burton. I mean, he's he's been consistently putting out all Big Ten talent through both positions on the defensive line and does it quietly, but does it really well. And I think there were, I think he, he was very well respected by his players um, and his peers. And yeah, I mean, all good things to say. I don't want to speculate too much on what happened behind closed doors. Um, It was an amicable split. It looks like at least publicly and like you said, we, we owe him a big thank you. He put out a lot of talent, did a lot of things for this program. And I, he was one of my favorite position coaches while he was here. So, um, and I will miss, I I will miss too. Like there were pictures of uh, Mel Tucker and Ron Burton on the road recruiting and you had Mel Tucker swagged out, you know, like probably $150 jeans, $250 pair of Jordans, you know, a, you know, new Nike quarter zip. And then you had Ron Burton with like that, those like backy, the baggy pleated khakis with, you know, some, you know, lawnmower shoes. And it was just, I, I love that guy, man. I, I, I really am going to miss him. I, I hope he finds a, a landing spot quickly here. I'm sure he will. Yeah. So Ron Burton out, which leaves another opening. Uh, we were just talking about the opening that, uh, Jordan filled and now Burton opens one up. So we'll see if that's, we were talking a little bit, probably still going to be a defensive line coach. It'd be pretty bizarre to hire a pass rushing specialist and immediately just slot him in as the defensive line coach. Right. Um, so obviously expect to hire. Did but. you see that Florida hired a, just speaking of like, you know, pass rush specialist, we haven't really seen that position filled before. Florida just hired a game changer specialist. It's oh just my like, God. I don't know what's going on here. Is man. that an but on, yeah. is that an on field role? See, that's where, I don't know. Maybe that was their way around, you know, filling, I don't know, but um, no, it's, it, I think, like you said, Jordan being the pass rush specialist, it would be kind of a weird move to two weeks later, promoting him to a defensive line coach. Like I, I get the vibe that it's, it's going to be a new defensive line coach coming in. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's specifically like a D tackles coach or something, but I would expect that this position will be filled on the D line. And um, yeah, I mean, past that, the other news is January 29th. So this coming weekend, if you're listening is, uh, is going to be dog day. Uh, there is, it's hard to keep up with all of these recruiting events, but I know there are a ton of, I, I, we don't have time to go through the list of all the guys. It's a bunch of four-star guys, 
um, some defensive linemen that courtesy of, of Brandon Jordan, you've got uh, yeah, pr- a pretty good list of players coming in next weekend. So keep an eye out for that. There's probably going to be some news of new offers that the Michigan state coaching staff is, is, uh, is sending out. There's going to be, you know, again, like we said last weekend, maybe there's a commitment or two coming down the pipeline here. It's about that time that the 2023 class starts to heat up a little bit. And uh, with only two recruits in there, I'm sure that, uh, you know, the staff is looking to get up, get that number up to four, five, six before, you know, the signing day of 2022 when they really turn their attention towards that class. So keep an eye out for that. Um, anything else here before we get to what we're going to do is kind of revisit our preseason predictions and some national preseason predictions. And I don't want to spend too much time on this. You know, we were thinking about making it a whole episode, but because it was something we talked about so much during the year of how wrong we all were about this season for Michigan state. So we'll, we'll spend a few minutes on it and we'll, we'll have some fun, but uh, anything else before we go there? Now let's run it. All right. So preseason <laughs> you had, you look around the national media scape, uh, you look around the local media scape and the projections for Michigan state were all pretty similar. I was trying to pull a few of them uh, bleacher report. They had us going five and seven finishing fifth in the big 10 East. You had uh, who is this? I think CBS. No, this is Athlon. Sorry. Had us uh, fifth. You had college football news had us finishing five and seven. You had sporting news that we were going to be sixth in the big 10 East. Uh, somebody on Yahoo had us going five and seven. You had Athlon. Uh, sorry. This is Athlon finishing seventh dead last in the big 10 East. I mean, everybody had us missing a bowl game nationally and locally and regionally i think there was a little bit more optimism rather than five and seven it was more like six and six um but yeah like we we all know the story that that nobody believed in this team us included i had us going um let's see where's i don't have it pulled up here scott do you have the the season predictions pulled i think i had us going six. six and six yeah and i had seven and five and I remember recording where you had your first run through was nine and three. Yeah. And you texted me and you were like, so ran through the schedule. Cause what we did is go into, there's um there's a website. It's playoffpredictors.com, something like that, where you can just go in and week one, it gives you the whole big 10 schedule and you just pick, okay, I think Wisconsin will beat this team. I think, and you just go through and, and it will tabulate all of your results at the end. And so you just kind of go through blind. You pick all the games. You don't really, you know, just kind of have a preconceived notion. You try to just take it week by week. And uh, yeah, you had nine and three and you're like, I just, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and and you, you wound up at seven and five. So we were both wrong. I think we were both a little bit more optimistic than the national media with that said, but uh, we were definitely still both wrong. So I don't know, like, obviously we can point to Kenneth Walker, but was there any other, like, you know, why did we think we were going to go six and six and why did we end up going, winning 11 games in the new Year's six bowl? Like, was it just Kenneth Walker? I don't know what. To me, it was 
a little bit more nuanced than that. It was finding the inches was something that Mark D'Antonio used to like to say, you know, the 2012 season, we went seven and six. And after that season, he, he would, he said something along the lines of, we just couldn't find the inches this year. Uh, we lost a game by one point, a game by three points, a game by two, four, three that season. So all but one loss were within four points. Um, in the next season, 2013, they found the inches. They won those close games. Same thing happened in 2015. For me, this season, I don't know if it's some intangible, call it heart, belief, swagger, whatever. Um, we found those inches. We found we got those breaks. Um, we played a little bit harder. I mean, when you look at this schedule there for this past season, plenty of games that were very thin margins. Uh, you have the Nebraska game. We had honestly no business winning that game at all, um, given what our offense was doing. You have the Michigan game, obviously. Indiana, Indiana was a five-point game that was scary the whole time. Penn State was three points. It very easily could have been a six-and-six six or a seven-and-five season. Um, sure, having Kenneth Walker makes 11 wins far more realistic than without him. Um, I don't want to neglect that point. But it just felt like this season, right from the start, this team came in with a belief about themselves. They were saying it coming out of camp that I think we have a little bit more than, than what people realize. And they were quiet about it. They were, you know, they just kind of had that quiet confidence of they're going to see soon. Um, and they carried that belief the whole season and uh, it turned out 11 wins for them. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it's anything specific maybe Kenneth Walker was like 50% and the other 50 was like hidden intangible stuff. Yeah. And, and again, like listening to Mel Tucker on this, on this interview, you got this glimpse into that and there was just a lot more consistency. And, you know, we talk about the, the keep chopping mentality when things are looking a little bit bleak, when the offense has gone three and out a couple times and they just didn't really blink. And uh, I think that that speaks to a lot. And as bad as the defense played at times, you know, there was just certain situations where you look at one thing that comes to mind is Xavier Henderson and one, his leadership, which I'm sure played a big role in this, but two, we talked about it all year. Him and Darius snow were two guys that like, they didn't miss a tackle when the, when the opportunity presented itself in the open field, they were there, they wrapped up and and they didn't get any further. And all it takes, you talk about some of these close games that we played, all it takes is two missed tackles, and that changes the, the result of a game where a 15-yard a completion is now a 60-yard touchdown because Xavier Henderson, the safety, missed a tackle, right? But he just didn't miss tackles all season long. So little things like that, again, and it's just the consistency, the, you know, keep chopping. Every play is its own ecosystem you know and and wrapping up a, a tackler on this play in the third quarter could have flipped a game right a 60 yard touchdown in the middle of the third quarter to take the lead for indiana or something i mean th these these plays flip games and when you wrap up and you make that tackle and it's a 15 yard completion and the fans are watching it saying like damn you know we gave up 15 yards whereas you could look at it on the other side like whoo that could have been bad. <laughs> like, so 
it's, it's just the way that you look at each situation and um, it's, it's a little bit uh, yeah, those, those things add up. Like you said, those, those little inches and Kenneth Walker certainly helped. Peyton Thorne certainly helped. I, I think both of us were pretty bullish on Peyton Thorne coming into this year. We both uh, thought that he could or should be the starter coming off of remember that Penn state game in 2020 last game of the year. And he had like three touchdown passes in the second quarter. And we were like, all right, like kind of like what we see with this kid. He's got some mobility. He's got a nice ball. And uh, yeah, I think that people kind of underrate Peyton Thorne's ass. Like he set the Michigan state single season touchdown record as a quarterback. And nobody's talking about it because of what Kenneth Walker did, but that's insane. As a for, yeah. As a sophomore threw for 3000 yards and set the single season program touchdown pass record for a program that's been playing football for over a hundred years. Like <laughs> as measuring sticks, Connor, uh, Kirk cousins, sophomore year, he threw for 20, just about 2,700 yards. So uh, what is that? 500 yards short of, uh, yeah. Peyton Thorne this season, 19 touchdowns, nine interceptions versus 27 touchdowns for Peyton Thorne this year. Connor Cook, his sophomore year, 2013, threw for 2,755 yards, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. Not saying he's going to have better junior and senior years than those two guys. That's a, that's a lot of consistency to uh, to continue with, but he's certainly set himself up to be in that class and he had a better sophomore year than either of those guys individually. Right. And um, shout out, you know, we were doing some like bold predictions beginning of the year. Shout out J Mac on Twitter, who said Peyton Thorne will have 3000 yards and 25 touchdowns. Uh, he even eclipsed those numbers. So shout out J Mac while we're at it. SL Brownie had Cal Halliday starting games and we were like, no, like, you know, he's maybe in that group of potential starters, but like Cal Halliday starter, I don't know, man. Cal Halliday ended up being a freshman All-American. Um, and AJ Morgan had us winning 10 games. And I think we audibly laughed at him on the podcast. So shout out AJ Morgan too. Um, some big misses, some big wins in the, uh, in the uh, preseason predictions. Yeah, I think we had one of our... I don't know if it was a proper. Yeah, it was one of our props was who would have more carries, Kenneth Walker or the field. Yeah. And I think we both <laughs> we took both. the field, <laughs> and it did not end up being close for the field. Yeah, uh, I, I I'll bring think up the, the stats yeah, quickly. While, while you do that, I'll give you some credit here. You had Jaden Reed going over a thousand yards, and he he did accomplish that feat. Uh, I said that there will be over six and a half starting defensive backs. Uh, I think we got to like nine or 10 by the end of the year. Uh, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, while you have the stats pulled up, this is one I didn't check. Uh, we had both, we both said there would be over two and a half players with 500 yards from scrimmage. Uh, but I also said there would be under three and a half. So I know Reed Walker and Naylor got there over 500 yards. Was there a fourth? There was Damn. Trey Mosley. Oh uh, yeah. He had 529 yards. Oh, he, he had 530 receiving yards, 529 scrimmage yards. He had two carries for negative one yard this year. Um, the field of 
running backs, I'll limit it just to running backs, had 107 carries this season. Kenneth Walker had 264. (laughs) So he got more than two-thirds of the work. Uh, He was certainly the workhorse. Jordan Simmons was second with 70 carries, 77 touches. So far and away the most touches this season. Yeah. Yeah, and some other stuff. Uh, we we had we did some fact and fiction. We both said that Jarrett Horst would start at left tackle, which now seems obvious. But if you remember, everybody was penciling in AJR Curie at left tackle, and Horst would slip into the right tackle spot. And we were saying all along, no, like Horst is going to be the left tackle. He did uh, for the majority or most of the season. Uh, we both had fiction on Tank Brown being a, an impact in 2021. Hopefully, we'll see him make an impact here moving forward. We know his ceiling, and he gets to work with Brandon Jordan now as a pass rush specialist. But, you know, there was a lot of noise on Tank Brown, and we were saying, ah, I don't know about this year switching positions. Uh, Keon Coleman, freshman playmaker, was a factor fiction. We both took fact. Um, he had a touchdown. <laughs> he was the only yeah. one who scored against Ohio State. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll say the result was probably fiction there. I don't think he made enough of an impact this year to be a quote unquote playmaker. Uh, but I think next year again, got a real good shot at that. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Next year we'll try to make more kind of actual set in stone predictions and bold predictions last year. Uh, we, we kind of, you know, we, we didn't do as good of a job as I think we could have. So this year we'll try to nail down some more official predictions, black and white, um, and see how we do coming out of the year. Cause a lot of these were kind of vague, you know, I think we can finish top half of the conference in this, but it's not that we will, it's that we can. So, um, you know, we'll try to get some more hot takes out there for you guys. I don't know. Folks love the hot takes. Everybody loves hot takes. Look at how ESPN is just building this monolith of sports, <laughs> all based on hot takes. <laughs> Any nuance in your take goes out the window. Oh, man, I miss old ESPN, old Sports Center, old. It, I don't know. It's just the nostalgic. But but you remember turning on Sports Center. You didn't know the results of any of the games, and down the ticker on the side, it would just say like. Alabama versus Auburn and you had no idea what happened and you would have to wait until those highlights. And now it's, I mean, social media plays a role, but it's, uh, it, I, I miss those days. I, yeah, you had the top 10. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they still do it. I don't hardly watch any sports center anymore, but I, I mean, I, again, in their defense on the top 10 side, all of that's on social media now. But yeah. at, at that time, when you didn't know any of these big highlight plays and you would just see it for the first time on SportsCenter, oh my God, did you see that catch? Like, wow. And then you wouldn't see it ever again. You just had that one moment. You had to be in front of the TV. And if you weren't in front of the TV, you had to wait another hour and a half for the next one to finish up because you couldn't go check YouTube because we had dial-up internet. Like... <laughs> Those were the, the good old days, man. The last thing that solidified the downward slide of ESPN was uh, retiring the butt fumble from the not top yeah. 10. Because if it's the worst play ever, it deserves its throne forever. Yeah. And uh, people will enjoy watching that until the end of the time. We're not going to get bored of it. Like <laughs> I only see it like once a year now, and it's just such a fond memory. Um, always glad to see the butt fumble. 
<laughs> but I don't but I don't have any other predictions from this past offseason. Like you said, we'll get some out there for this coming yep. season. We did make our first way too early yeah. record prediction. And what did I say? Eleven and one? I think you said eleven and know. one, yeah. You gotta get it out there while you can. If it's closer to the season, you have to be realistic. Yeah, we'll um, spend some more time to I've seen some like, you know, way too early top twenty-five stuff. We'll we'll spend some more time on that throughout the offseason. It's you know, we don't even know what our final roster is gonna look like, but there's a lot of Michigan State top ten, top fifteen. Uh we we talked about it during the year this year, like enjoy this fun season while we have it, because following this year is expectations. And now we're gonna be all right, now you're coming in preseason top 15. And if you go nine and three, it's a disappointing season. Like, you know, that these kind of expectations are coming. It makes the football a lot less or a lot more rewarding at times, but less just plain fun. You know, if we're just talking objective fun, no strings attached, um, you know, those days are behind us already. So now, it, now there's expectations. Now we're playing for stuff and, you know, it makes it a lot more rewarding, but it's, it's different for sure. So keep an eye out for stuff like that. And, uh, we have a lot of stuff coming down the the pipeline here. We're working on a new intro. We're working on, uh, some contests, some giveaways. We got some stuff in the works. So make sure you're subscribed, make sure you share the podcast with your friends. The more people we have, the more stuff we can do as far as giveaways, uh, promotions, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate all the support to this day. Our, we were just kind of talking about like our listenership really hasn't dropped off from the end of the season at all, which is awesome. And a credit to you guys. And we really appreciate you sticking with us here. I know it's early in the off season, but uh, you guys are, are still listening and still subscribing. So we really appreciate that. Uh, reviews on Spotify, reviews on Apple. We appreciate it all. Sharing the podcast, all of that fun stuff. Follow us on social media. Follow the Facebook group, Standing Room Spartans Community. Uh, we've hit a little bit of a plateau there. Hopefully we can get some more people involved there. And uh, yeah, anything else here, Scott? I'm going to plug Spotify ratings again because I don't think people understand how easy this is. Go to your Spotify, go to our Spotify page, click the star on the left side, give us a rating. You can be honest. I'm not even asking you for a five-star rating. It'd be great if it was, but you can give us like three if you want to. I'm not going lower than that. Uh, (laughs) Go to Spotify, give us a rating. We got 21 so far. Let's see if by the time we record the next episode, we can get to 30. So that's nine of you listening on Spotify right now. We know there are more than nine of you listening who haven't. Or if we you know. listen somewhere else and have Spotify, maybe you'll open new horizons on the Spotify podcasts space by going to our page, giving us a rating. It'll help us out. That's all I got. All right. Coming off a big uh, Michigan state at Wisconsin at the Cole center coming off a big win. Uh, the Michigan state basketball team is rolling here. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more and more as, as the season goes on early to mid-season college basketball my juices aren't really flowing yet so as you know february starts rolling around we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more uh, but again we're football guys we're we're not diving into the deep end of, of basketball but 
yeah, we'll talk about it more if you're, if you're interested and please like, feel free DM us, let us know. Like if you want us to spend a little bit more time on it, we can, if you're not interested in it and you only listen to the podcast, cause we talk about football, tell us and, and we'll just completely eliminate it. You know, just we're open to your guys' ideas. So uh, yeah, let's get out of here. Hope everybody has a great week and we will see you next time until then go green, go white. Take care folks.